It's Central Time. I'm Rob Ferret. You're with us here on the Ideas Network. Coming up, a new season for a pretty new orchestra kicks off this weekend in Green Bay with a program centered around dance music. We'll find out how the Widener Philharmonic is bringing classical music to a new audience. But first, Ann Strainchamps joins us now because it's the Wisconsin Public Radio Fall Membership Drive. You count on WPR for great conversations. It's your gift of any amount that makes these conversations possible. Listener support is the largest source of funding for WPR programs. That's why your support at WPR.org or 888-202-2552 is so important. Hey, Ann. Hey, Rob. First thing I have to say, longtime listener, big fan. Yeah, good to have you back in the studio even. Yeah, really good to see you. So listen, we are looking for 10 people, 10 listeners to join in with a gift this hour. And, you know, uh, you guys know you're listening that these goals are set up to make sure that these pledge drives run. You know, just they just kind of click right along (laughs) and we raise the money that we need to keep public radio on the air so that the rest of the year you're listening is interruption free. Let's meet that goal. It happens one gift at a time. We could start with yours right now at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And, you know, whether you are a regular listener or a newcomer, it's always good to stop and, you know, kind of pause for a second and think about, okay, what does it mean that I am listening to public radio? And the first and most important difference is it's listener-supported. Right. We do get uh, business contributions, federal and state tax dollars, and we appreciate that. But really, listener support is the largest source of funding for WPR programs. The people who listen to Wisconsin Public Radio are the people who pay for Wisconsin Public Radio. That means that when you make a gift, it really does matter. It really does make a difference. Take just a few minutes now. Make that gift at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. I kind of feel like you and I could spend the entire rest of the hour just talking about what public radio means and the many things it does mean. But the other thing that comes to mind is Mm community-based. And every community, good community, needs its own swag. That's right. right? So I think we have some special fundraising swag to discuss today. There's a new WPR keychain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's you give $8 a month or more. I don't think I've seen it, but I have heard that there's an embroidered radio tower patch. I've seen the the logo. It's on the hat too. You oh, could get, okay, that cool. You could get you'd the hat get both and, and the keychain. Well, and you know who knows what we'll have by spring. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the the very cool um, WPR keychain swag is only available today. Wow, really? One day only? Just one day only, <laughs> and yep. Okay, that's so on public radio. But make your <laughs> gift of $8 a month or more and ask for yours today only WPR keychain. It is all yours at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And mention that feeling of community. And when you listen to WPR, you're not alone. You might be alone in a physical space, your car, your home, your office. But you're sharing the experience with with us and everybody else listening right now. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, a lot in common. We share all kinds of values, the values that brought us here in the first place, mm-hmm. like independence, fairness, tolerance, lifelong learning. Your support helps all of us share the cost of WPR programs. So give now at wpr.org or eight eight eight. 
202-2552. And you might say, Ann, Rob, this all sounds well and good, but I'm busy. I don't have a lot of time to make hey, two minutes, contributions two minutes. That's all it to takes. Wisconsin Public Radio. That's the thing. <laughs> We've the, the people who, who, who've come up with this stuff, they've made it take just a few minutes. All you need to do is uh, give us your name, your contact info, how much you want to give, and how you'd like to pay. Like picture a bunch of public radio people in a room mm. with stopwatches. You That's know, right. Just sort of timing to see, no, 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 shave another 10 seconds off. I don't know if that ever happened, but I like the image. Yeah. Anyway, so it's, <laughs> it's um, what we're saying is it's really quick and easy to do, and your gift right now really, really helps. So take the next few minutes, support the station you count on at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Looking to hit our goal of 10 gifts over the course of this hour, this goal is important. It's set to make sure we have the funding we need for the programs that you rely on. Give right now at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Remember, we've got that special thank you gift available today. Secure your special edition WPR keychain when you give $8 a month or more. It's got an embroidered patch, a shout out to your favorite radio station. It's all yours at WPR.org or 888 888- Grab that keychain and make a very important contribution to public radio when you make your gift right now at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And thank you so much for your support. This is Central Time. An orchestral performance this weekend in Green Bay is putting dance front and center. The Widener Philharmonic at UW-Green Bay is a relatively new ensemble. It was created in part to fill a cultural void left by the folding of the Green Bay Symphony Orchestra eight years ago and to expand the idea of what an orchestral concert experience can be. You can join our conversation at 800-642-1234. Do you go out to see an orchestra, whether it's a local one or maybe when you're on a trip? What do you expect? Do you want to see the hits or music that's new to you? Join in at 800-642-1234. That's 800-642-1234. Or post on the Ideas Network Facebook page. Michael Alexander is Chancellor of UW-Green Bay. He's also the conductor of the Widener Philharmonic. Michael, welcome to Central Time. Thanks. It's great to be with you. And Michelle McQuaid-Dewhurst is a professor of music at UW-Green Bay and artistic director for the Widener Philharmonic. Michelle, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Can you give us, Michelle, the origin story of the Widener Philharmonic? Sure. Uh, We began first as a celebratory orchestra for the 25th anniversary of the Widener, which is our performing arts center on campus. And based on the success of that performance, we decided that we needed to continue. And thus the Widener Philharmonic was born. Um, And we began our first season in 2019. Uh, We were able to get in two planned events before the pandemic hit. And of course, uh, that was a a tough blow for arts organizations all over the world. Uh, But we have weathered that storm and we've taken this moment to try to decide what is it that we need to do going forward to ensure that we are serving our region and reaching new audiences to the best of our ability. And Michael, you are the conductor of UW-Green Bay. How did you become to be the conductor of this orchestra as well? Uh, Well, actually, uh, I I came here as chancellor of the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay, and uh, my career prior to that had been as an orchestra conductor. So um, it was a really uh, great way for me to get to know the community 
Um, I obviously still love to conduct and uh, still love to work with musicians and uh, love to create music. And so uh, when talking to Michelle, um, you know, it was really excited about her vision for what this orchestra could look like and uh, and how it can engage our communities, which is what we're about as a university as a whole, about connecting to Northeast Wisconsin and supporting the people who live in it. So this was a really exciting way for me to be a part of that. And Michelle, can you talk about the artistic mission for the Philharmonic? Absolutely. Uh, we are a professional orchestra that is situated at an educational institution, and that gives us the tools and the opportunity and really a responsibility to examine what an orchestra is and what it does and how it can reach people. And we want to acknowledge the rich tradition and history of orchestral music, but we also need to interrogate that tradition. Uh, we don't want to just acknowledge what was, we want to ask what if. Uh, what if we branch out from tradition and showcase new musical voices, voices that aren't always heard in the concert hall? What if we embrace a wider variety of musical genres? What if we vary the mode of performance? Um, and so that's the kind of thinking that inspired this first program of our season, uh, which is all music inspired by dance genres from around the world. Michael, can you talk about uh, the role of the conductor with this uh, this collection of dance-based music? Uh, is this a, a fun sort of uh, series to conduct? It is. Uh, it's actually amazing. So first of all, <laughs> I, I'm always in awe to work with someone like Michelle, who just has such an amazing vision um, for thinking creatively about what programs can look like. So as a conductor, trying to bring that to life is a thrill. Um, and the music that you're going to hear on Saturday is is truly celebratory. It's celebratory in understanding about how uh, music is influenced by dance as opposed to the other way around. It's celebratory by how dance in different cultures uh, is portrayed in music. Um, and it's, uh, there's something good about movement uh, and, and how movement connects to music. I think it's going to be a really invigorating program. Let's get a taste of one of the pieces here. Uh, this is uh, Gabriella Lena Frank's Three Latin American Dances, a bit from the movement called Jungle Jaunt, here performed by the Keith Lockhart Utah Symphony. Michelle, could you talk a little bit about what you went out hunting for when you're assembling this collection of dance music? Sure. Uh, I wanted to find a variety of genres and a variety of moods across the program. Uh, I wanted to represent a variety of cultures. And with that last excerpt that we just heard, uh, what I find fascinating about that piece is that Gabriela Lena Frank is an American composer, but she has heritage uh, from Peru, from China, from Lithuania, and, and uh, Jewish cultural heritage. And she's able to blend influences from dance genres that come from countries in the Amazon rainforest, but she also mixes in references to the music of Leonard Bernstein. And that idea of mixing and matching different ideas and different genres was really creatively uh, exciting to me, and I wanted to see us showcase that. 
We're getting a preview of the season kickoff program of the Widener Philharmonic at UW-Green Bay. Our guests are Widener Artistic Director Michelle McQuay-Dewhurst and Conductor Michael Alexander. You can join in at 800-642-1234. What questions do you have for our guests? Have you been curious about attending a live orchestral concert or taking your family? Not sure what to expect or where to start? Join in at 800-642-1234. That's 800-642-1234. Or post on the Ideas Network Facebook page. We'll pick up the conversation coming up here on Central Time. This is Central Time. I'm Rob Ferrett. We're hearing an excerpt from composer Jonathan Bailey Holland's Motor City Remix. That's a piece that'll be part of this weekend's season opening program for the Widener Philharmonic at UW-Green Bay. We're hearing George's Valdosta Symphony performing that one. We pick up our conversation now about the Green Bay Ensemble with Michelle McQuaid-Dewhurst, professor of music at UW-Green Bay, artistic director for the Widener, and Michael Alexander, chancellor of UW-Green Bay and conductor of the group. You can join in at 800-642-1234. What do you like to see when you go out to see classical music? If you don't, or if you used to, what would bring you back? Join in at 800-642-1234. Michael, I wanted to ask about the role of UW-Green Bay getting involved in this uh, this cultural performance, this thing bringing the community uh, hopefully on board. Can you talk about this as part of the UW-Green Bay mission? Yeah, so we believe the role of the university is to bring people together uh, to experience great things, to have conversations, and to uh, advance uh, the, you know conversations in the region about important things, right? And so uh, part of that is having great arts programs. And so uh, what makes me really excited about this is that we're constantly thinking about this in all ways. So, for example, a few weeks ago, uh, we have a new cross-country course on our uh, our campus. Uh, We had 33 high schools show up a few weeks ago for a meet, about 3,000 people on our campus. A week ago Saturday, uh, we celebrated Hispanic Heritage Month uh, with Estamos Aquí. And uh, we had about 8,000 people on our campus for a festival that included music and art and all kinds of great things, great food. Um, And this is another extension of that, right, is how do we engage our community in the Widener Center um, and uh, around interesting things and to help support the musical community in our region. Michelle, I think there are a lot of people out there who, for one reason or another, think, yeah, I'm not a classical music concert kind of person. This isn't something that's built for me. And I, I think part of your goal here is to reach out to them and say, oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Come on in. How are you trying to, to connect? Well, that's absolutely right. I do believe this music is for everyone. And I think nothing compares to the energy that is exchanged between an audience and a, a group of live performers. And we do know, uh, and this is what is inspiring our thinking here, we do know from research that's been done in our region that arts patrons are looking more and more for experiences that allow them to interact more with the artists on the stage rather than having a barrier between the audience and the performers. Uh, so we're looking to break that down by addressing the audience directly and explaining some of the backstory of some of this music before it's performed. 
uh, are, people are looking for more multidisciplinary experiences, experiencing multiple art forms in a single evening. And we're addressing that with this program with a post-concert performance by the Water Street Dance Milwaukee group. Uh, they will be in the foyer of the Widener after the music is performed, and they will be performing dance that demonstrates how dance is inspired by music. So it really brings the evening together full circle, and it moves the audience out of the formality of the concert hall and into the foyer in a more informal atmosphere where they can connect with each other. People want more social connections around their arts consumption, and we think that this is a way we can provide that for them. Michael, can you talk more about uh, bridging that gap, the kind of things that uh, you and your colleagues will be talking to the audience about uh, when setting up uh, the music you're going to be performing? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, we often when we perform music, uh, we spend as musicians countless hours with that music before you put it on stage. But the audience is often hearing it for the first time. Right. And it, I think one of the great things that we can do is to just give them little pieces to hang on to or to understand what inspired the composer. Right, or certain sounds to listen for, certain things that will uh, will help them get their bearings as they're hearing the piece. So as Michelle says, that you know it's about providing access, right? Um, and I think that's what we think about all the time as a university. Our goal as a university is to provide access to education. And in the same way, we're providing access to music in a way that usually you wouldn't have the opportunity to get. Michelle, I'm sure you have your eyes and ears mostly focused on this weekend's show, but what are you looking toward in the future for future programs for the Widener Philharmonic? We have an exciting season coming up. Uh, we are continuing our partnership with the Northeast Wisconsin Dance Organization and our annual production of The Nutcracker. We have a wonderful program coming up in April that is on the theme of water. Um, that program will be a kind of immersive experience with some theatrical lighting and some multimedia um, sound samples from humpback whales and other aquatic wildlife uh, to really sort of give us a sense of that connection to the water. So we're really trying to explore uh, themes and big ideas through the programming that we're doing and we can't wait to share it with everyone and michael as we wrap up uh you'll be conducting all this dance music i'm sure your colleagues are curious and the audience is curious do you find yourself dancing along with it while you're conducting uh, I, so I will be doing that in my head, but uh, I think it's to no one's benefit that they would actually see me dance uh, as part of the program. Much the same as me. Michael, thanks for joining us today. And Michelle, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having us. Been talking to Michelle McQuaid Dewhurst, professor of music at UW Green Bay, artistic director for the Widener Philharmonic, and Michael Alexander, chancellor at UW Green Bay, conductor of the Widener. Been talking about the goals of the relatively new ensemble and previewing their upcoming performance is this weekend, Saturday, September 30th at 6:30 p.m. We'll get a link up at wpr.org/centraltime for information. Now it's the Wisconsin Public Radio Fall Membership Drive and Strange Chaps is in the studio with me. Listeners, that means you, provide the largest source of funding here at WPR. And this drive is your chance to support all the programs you enjoy from Central Time to the best of our knowledge. So give now at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Quick little uh, business spot to tell you that we have a goal this hour of 10 
gifts, and one of those could be yours. Your gift right now is so important because when you give, you are supporting the programs like this one that you depend on, that are here all the time for you. Thank you so much. If you've already given, if you haven't, do it now. Give at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. You know, just thinking about reasons to support Wisconsin Public Radio. Well, the last segment was a really good one. You know, I don't know how many cities the size of Green Bay have their own orchestra. I would guess not that many, but it was fascinating to hear uh, that Green Bay has its own orchestra conducted by the university chancellor. <laughs> I wish you could have seen Rob dancing around the studio during that interview. Um, but I Yeah, think it was the, amazing, my yeah. dancing. I'll just say that now. Uh, the toe shoes dancing. are an especially nice touch. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that that kind of segment really enhances your sense of place, your sense of, you know, the, the cultural richness of the state that we live in. So just another reason to give to Wisconsin Public Radio. WPR's listeners supported. That means your gift at WPR.org or 888-202-2552 makes all the conversations you tune in for every day possible. Choose an amount that works for you, then make your gift. Become a sustaining member of Wisconsin Public Radio is, is another great option. That's when you choose a monthly amount and you set that up as an ongoing gift, whether it's from your bank account or your credit card, and that support goes right to work toward the programming that you have come to depend on. And then you know your support is always current. That means month after month, whenever you tune in and listen, you'll know that you're helping make this possible. Become I'm a sustainer. In... Oh, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Uh, you could become a sustainer right now. <laughs> It'll feel great with a gift of 10 or 20 bucks a month at WPR.org or 888-202-255. I have such a bad habit of interrupting. That's anyway, okay. I just wanted to jump in to say it's um, I'm all in favor of guilt-free listening. Mm -hmm. And it's just so lovely to listen, even to a pledge drive, and think, yep, got that covered. Yeah, definitely. All right. So a lot of us listen because, frankly, we're curious. We're curious about the world. We love lifelong learning. One of the wonderful things about public radio is it is so rich in content. You know, whether it's about the news of the day or a personal story, history, pop culture, there's just always something new here. And there's so much you get out of Wisconsin Public Radio, the daily talk shows, our amazing news team. I mean, you could listen to hours and hours of, to the best of our knowledge, alone with our archives. Certainly, uh, I, I hope mean, you do. You've got basically infinite listening, <laughs> infinite entertainment and education and learning and fun and contact with Wisconsin and the world, all available live here, like you might be listening now, or archived for you to listen and share in the future. And you can make it all happen with your gift, whatever amount works for you, at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. And thank you so much for your support. This is Central Time. I'm Rob Ferret. Coming up, a new energy storage facility is coming to Wisconsin, and it could play a big role in the future transition to clean energy. We'll find out how carbon dioxide could be used as a battery. First, it's the Wisconsin Public Radio Fall member drive. And Strange Champs is with me. You count on WPR for interesting and informative conversations. We can count on you to help keep these discussions on the air. Because listener support is the largest piece of funding that makes this show and every other show that you hear on this station 
possible. That's why your gift right now at WPR.org or 888-202-2552 is so important. We're working toward our goal of 10 gifts over the course of this hour. Thank you so much if you have already given. If you haven't yet, give now. Fund all the WPR programs you count on. Join in at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. Seems like almost every day brings another example of why we, those of us who listen to public radio, count on it. We live in an ever more interconnected world, you know, where things happening in the Middle East or China or at the U.S. Capitol may shape life here in Wisconsin in material ways in the next week or who knows. And that's why Wisconsin Public Radio is so important. Hosts like Rob talk to people in all kinds of fields from all over. And because you value being informed about what's going on in your own backyard or across your planet, make a gift to the station that keeps you connected at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. It's pretty rare to find a service like this that is, in a sense, a a one-stop shop. You know, you get um, news and information that keeps you so deeply connected to your own statewide community. And global and world news. Um, that's the same thing, isn't it? Global <laughs> news. Um, if you think about what else, what other news and information sources you have in your life, you know, maybe you spend a few dollars a month on TV streaming. Well, think about paying for your Wisconsin public radio usage in the same way. I mean, you tune in here every day for information and entertainment. If you've never given before, start with a gift of maybe 10 or $20 a month. That might be what you pay for your, your Netflixes and Hulus and the long, long, long list of streaming services out there. And is, I think, maybe even a better deal. It's easy to set up online at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. <laughs> Today only, ask for the exclusive WPR keychain when you lock in your support for Wisconsin Public Radio with a gift of $8 a month. WPR listeners, you play a key role in making the trustworthy news and quality entertainment we all rely on possible. With an embroidered patch that features a radio tower and a shout out to your favorite public radio station, this key ring isn't just a good way to keep all your keys together, it's a way to proudly show off your support for WPR's essential public service. It's only available today, so make your gift of $8 a month now. Here's how. Make that gift. Get that keychain online at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. It's Central Time. Rob Ferrett here with Ann Strainchamps. Your support during this fall member drive makes the WPR programs you count on possible. Your gift of 5 or 10 or $20 a month, whatever amount you choose, really does make a difference. Maybe you donated a few years ago and feel like, yeah, I've done my part. Well, you know what? It's your continued support that makes all the essential news and interesting conversations possible today and on into the future. If it's been a while since you gave, this is a perfect time to get back on board. You can do it at WPR.org or 888-202-2552, and we'll be really glad to have you back. 
Our goal is 10 gifts this hour. And the goal is important. It's set to make sure that we have the funding we need by the end of this drive to keep the programs on the air until the next one. So give now at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And today we have that special thank you gift available, your special edition WPR keychain. You can get it when you give $8 a month or more. It's got a shout out to, you know, Wisconsin Public Radio. Hold your keys together, right? The basic function <laughs> of a good keychain. I like that. That's that's a good service. It's only available today, though. So get that gift in right now at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And, hey, if you are not a sustainer, take care of that at the same time, too, and become one. It's really easy to set up. You'll be making ongoing monthly donations from your bank account or credit card, and it provides reliable support for the all of these programs. Joy in Dodgeville gave Joy says, Rob, that's me. Joy says, Rob never <laughs> fails to intrigue and inform. Well, thank you, Joy. That's fantastic. Uh, Joy says, there's never a day when I don't feel WPR is relevant to my life. Thank you so much, Joy. Is Wisconsin Public Radio relevant to your life? We'll make a gift. WPR.org or 888-202-2552. WPR.org, 888-202-2552. And thanks. This is Central Time. I'm Rob Ferret. On Friday, Alliant Energy announced that they had received a $30 million federal grant to build a carbon dioxide-based energy storage facility in Columbia County. It's the first of its kind in the U.S., the first ever on this scale. It's one possible path towards solving a problem for renewable energy, how to store energy from peak production times and then use it when it's needed the most. Mark Anderson is a professor in the Department of Mechanical Engineering and director of the Thermal Hydraulic Laboratory at UW-Madison. Mark, thanks a lot for joining us today. Yeah, thanks. Can I'm you, happy to be here. Can you talk about the storage problem a little bit? Uh, how big an obstacle is it for renewable energy uh, to have this need to, you know, store up the, say, the peak solar energy when the sun's out and then use it when the sun's not out? Yeah, um, I mean, as a society, we've become very dependent on extremely reliable energy. And, and as we start to clean up the energy environment and go to solar and wind, which is somewhat intermittent, we have to uh, build storage into the, the grid infrastructure so that we can keep this reliability where we expect it to be. So um, if the sun uh, goes down at night, we still need power. If the wind stops blowing, we still need power. So rather than ramping up uh, diesel generators or something like that, we can add uh, clean energy storage solutions and store that uh, uh, clean energy from solar and wind. Um, so that helps uh, in the environmental uh, impact of uh, our power production. Now, looking at this new Columbia County project, I mean, I think if, if something stores energy, it's technically a battery. But reading the specs of this thing, it doesn't work like batteries. I know about it. Can you talk about this carbon dioxide, this CO2 method of energy storage? Sure. Yeah, there's many ways to store energy, and this is one. So um, you can store it by pumping water up a hill and letting it come down. Um, and you can store it in, in compressed gases. So there's been research uh, done before where you use uh, compressed air storage and you've taken air and you can compress it. And sometimes you can store it in big salt mines and then let it uh, release and spin a turbine uh, to perform energy. And this uh, new system that Alliant is looking at is using carbon dioxide as a working gas. And the idea here is that you uh, compress the carbon dioxide up and carbon dioxide, if you compress it up to a certain point, it turns to a liquid. And so you can store it much more densely than you can a gas. 
And then it's kind of like your soda stream machine at home. You have uh, compressed CO2 there, you open a valve, and then you let the gas come out. That would uh, pass by a turbine, spin it, and that spins a generator to create energy. Um, so that's kind of the idea associated with this. With the CO2 system, uh, it's a little different than air because an air, uh, compressed air system would take air from the environment, come in, um, cool it down and compress it. And you'd have to store it essentially in a refrigerator. You'd have to cool it down. And then you would release it to the atmosphere uh, when you wanted to spin your turbine. This uh, CO2 system is a closed system where you would uh, compress the CO2, you could store it, but in this case, you can store it at room temperature. You don't have to have the refrigeration associated with the compressed air. Um, you do have a little bit uh, more complexity because you wanna have a closed system. So you have a very large bag that would store the uh, non-compressed CO2. And then when you wanna charge your system, you draw from that big bag, the CO2, compress it and store it as a liquid. Do we have functioning working models of this uh, on the planet yet? There's been a small scale demonstration. So the company that's uh, developed this particular technology uh, started in Italy, and I think they've done a 2.5 megawatt type uh, demonstration plant, but it hasn't been tested at larger scales. And so this will be a first of a kind uh, test for this particular uh, concept. Uh, like I mentioned, there have been other uh, companies that have done demonstrations with air, but not with CO2. And this proposal now, this would be, you said that that trial one was 2.5 megawatt. This is 200 megawatts of the storage facility, at least that would be in the works. Uh, it sounds like a lot. How much is 200 megawatts? Yeah, so it's 200 megawatt hours, which means that you can generate uh, 20 megawatts for about 10 hours. And 20 megawatts uh, can power about uh, 20,000 homes. So it, it's a fairly large scale system. And this is going to be integrated with the PV solar and wind uh, that we have um, being built in, in Wisconsin. Now, I know anytime you use energy, you tend to lose some of the energy along the way. How efficient is this uh, CO2 storage method? How much attrition do we get as we keep turning the CO2 from gas to liquid and back again? Yeah, so any storage method is never 100% efficient. And uh, typically what you talk about is a round-trip efficiency. That means that it through compresses gas, it takes a little more energy than it does, uh, than you'll get out. Um, so in this particular application, you have to uh, put in about 25 megawatts where you get out 20 megawatts. So the round trip efficiency is on the order of 75% for this type of system. That's a little bit lower than the batteries. The battery is typically between 80 and 90% round trip efficiency, but uh, you also have to consider the overall cost of the system and so forth. And battery systems right now are, are pretty expensive due to the high cost of uh, lithium and some of the raw materials that go into them. Talking to Mark Anderson from UW-Madison's Thermal Hydraulic Laboratory about energy storage, a, a plan for a pretty good-sized facility in Columbia County to store energy using CO2. Mark, talk a little more about those battery options. I know we have them around the country. They've gotten some nods for helping uh, you know, in, during heat waves get through some uh, some peak hours of demand for air conditioning, but as you mentioned, some of the raw materials, the lithium, uh, I think cobalt and some batteries, hard to get resources sometimes. How how big an option are those for us? 
Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, there's always research going on to try to lower the cost of the batteries. Uh, right now, the amount of uh, battery storage that we have is pretty minimal compared to the amount of energy that we have on the grid. So it's a very, very small percentage. And again, as we add these re new renewables, uh, to the system, we need to increase the storage. So there's research going on in many different areas, not just batteries, but uh, this compressed uh, gas storage. Um, there's also gravity systems where you can raise a weight and then drop it. Uh, there's uh, uh, hydro systems where you can uh, pump up uh, liquid water and let it come down. And there's also thermal systems where you can add energy to a molten salt or something and heat that up and then uh, recover the heat from from that uh, that process. Uh, but battery storage is, is nice because it's it's fairly quick. There are some uh, concerns with uh, uh, some of the different uh, batteries and the degradation in the lifetime of the batteries and so forth. So um, we're looking at all different kinds of options for storage. And you mentioned, Mark, the importance of connecting this to the grid. As I understand it, this Columbia County proposal is going to be sited next to a current coal plant that's scheduled to be retired in the next couple of few years, but presumably that coal plant is at the nexus of the power grid. Lots of power lines coming in and out. Is that a nice, uh, I guess, target of convenience for the batteries, the storage facilities of the future? Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of work going on looking at some of these old coal plants and seeing if we can retire them, but still make use of some of the infrastructure. And like you mentioned, all the uh, power lines and the distribution and stuff goes into those uh, coal power plants. So uh, converting these coal power plants to a more environmentally friendly energy source is is a good way to do it. And adding storage at this particular site and then making use of the wind and, and PV around it uh, uh, seems like a good idea. You mentioned a few moments ago, Mark, that we don't have a whole ton of uh, storage capacity relevant to relative to the amount of energy we're producing. Do you see that starting to change? Are we starting to play catch up and, and creating more of these storage facilities of, of whatever type? We are. I think there's a lot of work going on this in this. Uh, uh, so Alliant Energy just got a bunch of funding from the Department of Energy, and the Department of Energy is really looking at trying to improve this and uh, increase storage. And there's a lot of different federal programs uh, that are out there that uh, can help us start to increase uh, the storage and increase uh, the impact of the renewables. You mentioned a list of different storage options for electricity we produce with alternatives. Do you think we're going to get to the point where we say, yes, this one is the best, this is our go-to method, or is it going to be tough to have a one-size-fits-all, maybe something that's in a hotter climate you know, will work better in one place, uh, something else will work better in a colder place, or, or what is the mix of the future going to look like? Yeah, I think we have to make use of all of them. So um, uh, there's physical storage systems, thermal, electrochemical batteries, these compressed air systems. I think they all have an impact and they can all be useful, and you have to look at the specific spot that you're going to put the storage in and, and what makes the most sense for the intermittency associated with the, the location that you are on the grid. So uh, I think all of these methods are, are viable and uh, can help uh, improve our uh, environmental footprint. A concern I've heard raised a lot, Mark, about the transition to renewals is uh, you're never going to be able to get rid of a baseline production, whether it's coal or natural gas or nuclear or something like this. Could we be at a point at some point in the future where we have enough of this storage that those intermittent sources really could take over and we wouldn't need that uh, baseline plant using fossil fuels or nuclear or what have you? 
I think that's a little difficult, and um, I think you will need some kind of uh, base load. Uh, nuclear is a good option. Um, it's very environmentally friendly with respect to uh, CO2 emissions anyways. Um, so I think there there will always be a mix of, of that, but uh, uh, certainly there's there's in a way to improve the amount of uh, solar and wind that we have on, on the grid, too. In our last few moments, Mark, what are you watching for with this CO2 technology uh, in the future that we're seeing in the works here in Columbia County? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this demonstration goes. So like you mentioned, this is a first-of-a-kind type of demonstration, and they're scaling it up quite large. Um, I talked a little bit about this uh, uh uh, the fact that they have to store the CO2 at low pressures, and this is going to require a big, essentially a balloon to hold the, the non-pressurized gas. So how that holds up and what kind of round-trip efficiency they can actually meet in a full-scale system will be interesting to look at. Mark, we'll leave it there. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you very much. That's Mark Anderson, professor in the Department of Mechanical Engineering and director of the Thermal Hydraulic Laboratory at UW-Madison. We talked to him about a new carbon dioxide-based energy storage facility coming to Wisconsin in Columbia County. Now it's the Wisconsin Public Radio Fall member drive and Strain Champs is with me in the studio at WPR. Listener contributions are the biggest source of funding. Your gift keeps the conversations you value on the air. Make your gift right now at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. Hey, Rob. I just want to remind folks listening that we are looking for 10 contributions from listeners like you right now. Your gift right now is so important because when you give, you are supporting the programs like this one, but so many more that you rely on every day. Thank you so much. If you've already made a gift or if you're a sustainer making ongoing gifts, if not, the time is now. Give at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. Let's give a quick shout out to Rob and his team for putting on that last segment. It was so nice to hear hopeful, solutions-oriented journalism. You know, there's just so much, especially when it comes to energy and climate issues that, you know, can, can make you feel pretty panicky about the state of and future of the world. So it's really nice to hear, um, you know, reports about new technology that's just coming online. That's the kind of conversation you can count on from Wisconsin Public Radio. And WPR is listener-supported, and that means your donation makes the many topics you tune in for every day possible. Choose an amount that works for you, then make your gift online at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. And because it would not be Pledge Drive without Public Radio swag, today only you can ask for your WPR keychain with a gift of $8 a month. Key ring features an embroidered radio tower and a shout out to your favorite radio station only available today. So get it right now at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Well, I figured it was important for me to become a sustaining member because I needed to give back. I really enjoy the programs here. I get to hear it every day, and I figure there's buy-in. When I'm a sustainer, I enjoy driving to work, leaving work, being at home, even going to bed, listening to WPR. Most media that you hear now, most programs don't have that objectivity that WPR offers. I enjoy all the shows, and I figure you got to let your money talk. 
You can let your money talk with a gift at WPR.org or 888-202-2552 to make your donation this fall member drive. Central Time. I'm Rob Parrott here with Ann Strainchamps. The WPR programs you enjoy are possible thanks to your support. Your gift of $10 a month or $100 a month, whatever amount you choose, makes a difference for our entire community. We hear a lot from first-time donors who decide to give because they've suddenly gotten their first job out of college or celebrated their 30th birthday. You know, they've reached some kind of life milestone where it suddenly hit them, whoa, I'm a grown-up. And I guess it's time for me to do grown-up things like step up and help support public radio. Giving money to something you believe in, a service you rely on, it's a great way to mark a new phase of your life. A lot of first-time donors give $10 or $20 a month, but you choose the amount that's right for you and then go to WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. And after you have made your donation, you know, don't just sit around going, okay, done. Make your gift go a little bit further. Tell your family and friends. And when you do, let them know that they can get the new WPR keychain with a gift of $8 a month or more. If you all give $8 a month or more, you can have a match well, set. Everybody uh, yeah. How many family keychains? can oh, have them. many keychains. That's right. Well, you all have keys, <laughs> I imagine. Yeah? I don't know so why not? Have, I don't know how many keychains we have, Rob. Well, you, you need a new one, though. Hmm. Update. With the new keychain, you can grab yours, $8 a month or more, at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And if you are a sustaining member, thank you so much. And how about making today the day you increase your support for Wisconsin Public Radio by $5, $10 a month, whatever you choose, at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. You count on Wisconsin Public Radio each and every day, weekdays, weekends, to bring you great conversations, uh, well-reported news about Wisconsin and the world. Well, please know, we count on you to help pay for it all. You can make your very important gift, support the conversations that matter to you, support great public radio, an amazing tradition here in Wisconsin with your gift online at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552 to make your important gift. You could join the thousands of sustainers, too, when you make ongoing monthly gifts. And, Anne, it's it's easy, right? Oh, it is so easy. It takes about two minutes. You just give us your name, address, how you'd like to pay, how much you'd like to give, and that's That's it. it. WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Weird from Jim and Osseo. Jim says, thank you, WPR, for staying you through all of the changes Wisconsin has seen over the decades. Jim, thank you so much. And, you know, we've I think we've stayed us while keeping up with the times. And once upon a time, WPR was you know, Morse code weather reports. I don't think that would work so well anymore. We've We've updated a bit since then. We'll continue to do so over the years, and we can do it. Jim, because of people like you. How about you join Jim and the thousands of people who have supported WPR over the years with your gift online at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552 and thank you.